Moon Pig. Hello world and welcome to the Moon Pig Tech Podcast. My name is Jacob. My name is Richard. And today we are still recording from our lovely homes. Uh, we have been home now for quite a few weeks and therefore we picked something special considering the current pandemic for our today's topic. Um, and we will be talking a bit about how Moonpig adapted to the change in scenery and the change in our operation. And I'm very delighted to today have with us our CTO, Peter Donlan, and our Chief Product Officer, Ronan Tai. Peter, do you want to say hello? I can say hello, yes. Um, so I'm Peter, as you mentioned, I'm the CTO. And um, I suppose a bit about me, I've worked in... Um, tech all my career. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, tech, certainly do a, a lot of stuff in my own time as well. I've mainly worked in e-commerce, um, so many years of, uh, of e-commerce. Um, sort of lived through the various evolutions of uh, moving from physical to cloud and, and kind of everything in between. Um, still like writing code myself, um, but no one lets me do it at work, so I have to do it in my own time. <laughs> uh, aside from that, um, like I'm big video games and, and movie fan, like love watching stuff, playing stuff, um, I like running, uh, all the usual things. Awesome. Thank you, Peter. And Ronan, hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I've been at Moonpig just under two years. Um, as you said, I'm Chief Product Officer. And at Moonpig, that means product management and product design. So working very closely with uh, technology to deliver uh, you know, new and exciting features for our customers that achieves what they're, they're trying to do with Moonpig and, and grows the business. Um, before Moonpig, I led product teams at Netaporte and Betfair. Uh, and I've been kind of in the industry for about 15 years now. Outside of work, um, I love running as well. And uh, my kind of objective for this year is to run further than Peter. So we've got a bit of a friendly rivalry in, in that regard. Awesome. Thank you. So we want to chat a bit about kind of like our shift to working full remote. Or basically, we have been forced to work full remote at the moment um, and how we adapted to that and how we're making sure that we keep relevant. We keep all of our production up and running and um, kind of about the interesting challenges that we found and how we're trying to, how we have overcome them and how we're trying to overcome them. So uh, as we have mentioned in the past, we already had two offices. So we have one in Manchester and one in London. So we were basically already a bit used to communicating digitally. But Peter, kind of like from that perspective, how much do you think has like changed in how we communicate since we have been forced to all go remotely? Yeah, good question. Um, I think in some ways uh, a lot and in some ways not that much. Um, so I guess, as you say, because we already had multiple locations, we've had to learn um, how to do this anyway. I guess the, the slight difference is that there's always a natural bias towards headquarter. Um, so we, we have, you know, most of our business teams are in London. Um, we have more people in London. Um, so even though we don't treat Manchester like a, a satellite, it's very easy for it to feel um, feel that way. Um, I guess what this has changed dramatically is suddenly everyone's remote. So there is no there is no London, there is no Manchester. It, it kind of puts everything on a um, 
an even playing field. So from that perspective, I, I think certainly for from speaking to a lot of the Manchester team, they're definitely um, almost finding it easier because of that. Um, I guess the the other side of it, though, is uh, both the kind of two locations, but also the fact that we already supported work from home and, and that kind of thing. Like, I guess we were already used to doing at least a certain level of, of remote working, albeit not all the time. I think it's quite interesting that you, you, you pointed out the how how the Manchester team are, are finding it easier now. Because um, I, I kind of in the same situation, whereas I, I work from home one day a week uh, normally, and I used to find quite often I'd miss out on the sort of water cooler conversations or the ad hoc um, meetings where people would just quickly discuss a problem. And now, obviously, if that, that happens, they know they've got to invite some people into a conversation and I get included. <laughs> so Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think I've had that conversation with with pretty much everyone I've caught up with, really, which is just this this point of I think we've all experienced it, right? When you're the one working from home and everyone else is in the office, it's so easy to be excluded out of things. Not intentionally. It's just those conversations can happen when people are sat next to each other and they don't when you're there. And I think it's very easy then for you to almost exclude yourself as well. Like, you know, you take that flexibility as, oh, I can take that that two two hour lunch break as Ronan does to go play a round of golf or something. I, <laughs> I, I think, you know, that, that becomes a lot easier because people aren't relying on you in the same way because they know you're remote. I think when everyone's remote, kind of everyone's on when they need to be on. Um, and thus there's a lot more proactive kind of communication. So I think it does make a, a big difference. Sorry, I was just going to say, is it worth calling out what technology we're using to do that, um, to keep in touch and keep connected? Yeah, yeah, I think so from a from a technology point of view, I mean, we're already very reliant on cloud-based services, right? So everything um, we do is should be easy to, to access and we've been working on that for a few years. But like, so we, we center a lot of our communication around Slack. Um, it's certainly the, the source of um, kind of most, uh, at the very least, um, uh, funny conversation, if not not work conversation as well. Um, so, so we have that kind of as a, as a core, but then, you know, we've been using G Suite for quite a long time now. Um, again, with like Google Meet, it makes it so easy to just jump on video calls. I know some of the teams are doing always on video calls just so that they're, they're trying to sort of replicate the office um, environment. Um, so, yeah, I think from that point of view, we, we've, we've kind of already had, had kind of the, the right tools in place to be able to do this. I suppose where's interesting for us now is where we start trying some some new new stuff uh, where it is a bit different. So, for example, typically we have our um, uh, engineering teams all co-located, so we don't have split teams between the locations. And I think if you think about something like pairing, for example, um, that's that's now more challenging. But there are tools available, and we're trying to support teams in in you know trying things out and. Um, there's a few of the teams now using uh, remote pairing tools. Another thing is like um, remote whiteboards is another good one. So typically by every bank of desks, we have whiteboards, people like using them. Um, so is there a remote version of that? And we've started playing with with different tools to do it. So what we don't have, we're trying to get basically. So a lot of our tools are quite tech heavy in that sense. or so like support a lot of our tech teams, which I think is interesting for like, you Ronan, right? Because you normally your people. We have one P PM classically per per team, so we don't differentiate between tech teams and product teams. We normally say we are a product team and we are based around one area of our website or the apps or like a feature area. So how has it been so far for you trying to keep communication strong? 
Um, I think we've faced similar, I guess, challenges um, to to you guys within kind of technology and working between within your team. We, we've had the challenges of working across teams. Um, and we certainly, I think, at the start of um, the, the kind of lockdown, we initially focused on making sure the individual squads were working well. Um, but more and more, we're, we're, on, we're understanding and working on cross-team collaboration. And ultimately, I think what we're learning is we need to write down much more um, and share that and encourage people to, you know, document briefs, really think out uh, the, the, the problems that they're trying to solve. Um, whereas before we, you know, would naturally kind of gravitate to getting 10 people in a meeting room, we are finding we need to have a bit more of a balance between um, synchronous and asynchronous communication. So what made it more apparent for you that we need to document more? Um, I think quite honestly, we, we always knew we should be, we should have been doing it um, <laughs> quite, quite honestly. Uh, but the fact that we're all in the office made us maybe get away with it. And so I think that's the first point. Second point, we, we run regular, um, you know, cross-company uh, surveys of employees to understand how they feel we're working and kind of, you know, team health checks as well and retros. And just more and more cross-team collaboration was raised as something that everyone felt we needed to improve. And so the fact that we are now almost forced to do it a bit more has just given us the push that we kind of need it. Yeah, I guess you touched on um, sort of checking in with people and making sure they're happy working from home and and, and being almost well, not almost isolated. Um, what are we doing as a as a business? Worth just talking about how we're making sure everyone is comfortable at home and they've got the the right equipment they need and the you know they're comfortable and able to get on with their job happily. Yeah, so I think the first thing we realised was that we needed to have much more frequent, but probably shorter. Um, interactions with everybody. Um, so we, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, reconfiguring, you know, calendars to making sure that we met, we, we were connecting with everybody within our teams. And um, the second thing we looked at is clearly everyone's work from home setup is, is different. And um, so we gave everyone an allowance to go buy what they needed in, in terms of um, equipment, whether that was monitors, a lot of designers bought whiteboards, um, a lot of people bought chairs, you know, really some basic stuff. And then the third really is, you know, bringing in the concept of more flexible time, especially for people who, uh, you know, have kids at home um, or are caring for somebody. We wanted to make sure that they were able to kind of work around their kind of commitments outside of work as well. Yeah, we really saw like a big spectrum there, right? We have on one end the people like me who live on their own and I can basically work whenever I want and I don't need to uh, take care of anyone else compared to, of course, people who are at home with, like, the two kids um, and, of course, have to kind of balance that with the partners. So, yeah, I think flexible time was definitely very helpful for a lot of people there. So I want to I wanna go a bit back to the beginning of this. As I say, we have now been a few weeks in, in this situation, and I think, like, the dust has settled a bit and we kind of got into a rhythm, uh, of course, with all of the support and people got a bit more used to it. But when the original lockdown happened, we were confronted with a very unique problem, which was we weren't able to produce as many cards as we had demand. So how did we tackle that issue and how did we kind of like deal 
with this sudden change in our operations? I think um, maybe if I, I answer from kind of the operations point of view and then, then Ronan, you can you can talk about sort of, sort of how we, we thought about customers. I guess the, the first thing is that, you know, our, our priority was always going to be our colleagues to start with. Like we, we had to make sure people were safe. Um, and obviously we followed uh, government guidelines um, and certainly Guernsey, where our, our main factory is, um, they were they were very clear with us about what we we should and shouldn't do. Um, and obviously we, we tried to do everything and beyond we could to make sure we could keep running, but we could do it in a safe, uh, safe way. It did mean our capacity was going to be lower, but it was just the right thing to do. Um, so, so from that, that perspective, that was always going to be the case. And, you know, as the weeks have gone on new information, we just keep, keep responding to that. And that's the same across all of our, our locations. So I think that's kind of like the context of, of the, the, the kind of the issue, um, we had and, and sort of how we dealt with it. And then I think in terms of then the customer demand we were seeing and, and what we did with that, I think Ronan's probably best place to, to talk about that. Yeah. So I guess, um, taking a bit of a step back, you know, clearly we, we were not able to predict this was going to happen. I think, um, Bill Gates was probably the only person who, who gave some advanced warning about the chaos, uh, a global pandemic could cause. But, um, having said that we have a crisis management process for these, you know, unpredictable events. So we have, you know, we have, you know, risk frameworks within, within the company that we can just take out and, and try and kind of work through um, the, the crisis as it unfolds. And ultimately, the biggest uh, risk at the time was that we'd have to completely shut down capacity and not be able to fulfill any cards. And and ultimately, you know, we we started to think about what were the mitigations that we could uh, we could uh, introduce if if that actually happened. Um, and the, the core thing for us is we wanted to not have to c turn customers away. And um, we wanted to be able to continue to kind of deliver the, the purpose of Moonpeak, which is enabling people to kind of celebrate the occasions of, of their loved ones. And um, so based on the, the fact that we thought capacity could completely reduce to zero, we, um, we got a group of uh, engineers and PMs and designers together. Um, and within a week, they launched eCards. So that provided us with, um, I guess with uh, the ability to always be able to support customers in the event we have to turn off physical cards. The other kind of key thing we did is we just changed our, our thinking um, around making sure that we were always satisfying as many customers as possible rather than trying to optimize for revenue. Um, and the reason for this is we didn't want to let any customer down. So we know our customers come to us with a specific occasion and therefore date in mind. And um, so we really have to be able to fulfill getting their card to, to them on time. Otherwise we, you know, we ruin a birthday uh, potentially. So we, we completely kind of changed the mindset of the company and we were all about how do we ensure we can support as many people as possible without letting anyone down. Yeah. And I think, one interesting point is there what we could have done was like okay good we can only fulfill x cards per day um we want to hit our revenue target so we just make every card 99p more expensive right which which we didn't go about right we this was never one of our goals there so as you said we 
we got our e-cards, which basically helped with when we hit capacity, we could still at least allow people to send a digital card, which in these times is often better than not being able to celebrate a birthday or an occasion at all. Um, so, but of course that meant that all of our budgeting, all of our financial targets, all of the goals that we had for the medium term kind of were thrown overboard more or less because they didn't stay as relevant anymore as they were, of course, a few weeks back. So how did we adjust to that? How, how did we make sure we still, we still have clear goals to strive towards in such, in times of such uncertainty? Uh, good questions. The, the first thing from a kind of revenue forecasting, we ultimately realized it would be incredibly difficult and you know, a waste of energy to try and try and even come up with a forecast. Um, so the way we kind of think about it is, you know, going back to the capacity and customer success metrics and really trying to make sure that we are serving our most loyal customers. So as an example to that, we have prioritized kind of app over web because we know our most loyal customers are on the app. And in terms of like short and long-term goals, there are some teams within the company that can continue to have long-term goals. So there's a number of you know, product and, and tech teams that are working on uh, a replatform and, and that is going to continue and we're not going to change the kind of their long-term goal. For teams, specifically kind of commercial and marketing teams that um, have to react to kind of the trading environment, we're just setting much, much shorter term goals. So they typically have month long goals versus six month goals, which we would normally have in, in our OKR process. And in terms of demand there, right? Normally we have four peaks in a year, which are like our highest trading periods. And in these times, normally we introduce a few extra boundaries around, for example, releasing to the website, making sure that everything stays nice and stable. But now we have seen like a continued period of relatively high demand. How are we coping with that from a tech perspective? Yeah, I think like um, uh, like a lot of things, we were we were obviously caught by surprise, and we didn't have a particularly good good process for this. Um, so I think you know we've been we've been working to make sure we don't have to you know freeze changing or anything for quite a while. We're we're going through this like journey from our old platform to a new platform. I think we're all fairly comfortable in releasing um, new platform changes. We've put a lot of time into our build pipelines, our testing, our deployment process. Um, whereas with the old platform, we've kind of maybe neglected that a little bit in the in the view that will be gone in not too long. And we've we've not got that many peaks left, so it will be OK. When peak starts coming every day, that's become become more relevant now. And I think we've had to um, we've had to take quite a, an aggressive approach to how we kind of manage change because ultimately we're always seeing high traffic at the moment. I think what we're now wanting to do is keep kind of evolving that further so that we're not slowing anyone down. And actually, if you look at our releasing over you know over the past month, even it is still the highest amount of releases we've ever done in a month. So it's not like we're slowing down yet. I still feel like we kind of are. Um, so what, what we're trying to um, do is just know where we can trust our releasing versus where we can't. Um, and so with the legacy platforms, treating them in a slightly different way to, to how we treat all of our new platforms. So it's not been easy. Um, and I don't think, uh, I don't think everyone's been been you know super happy about that it's working in the perfect way, but I think we have recognised that it could be better, and and we're doing whatever we can to uh, to work on that. So you're you're basically separating out there 
the parts in your system where you know okay i can fully trust them they're, they're stable compared to ones where you're like okay yeah we know we we have issues under under peak load or under very high load yeah and they create a bit of a yeah exactly a, a lot of it's about um so ultimately when when you're releasing frequently um you know you're going to make mistakes things are going to go wrong and that's okay right so you know that the number of incidents we have isn't like a primary metric that that i think you get value out of it's it's more about your your ability to detect when something goes wrong um ideally prevent it but if you don't prevent it then it's how long does it take you to resolve it and i think with our you know with our new code bases our new pipelines our ability to uh, detect through better monitoring and logging and then our ability to release fixes if we need to fix forward or roll back if we if we can um, is greater improved, and therefore those two metrics um, are, are, you know, are a lot better on our legacy platforms. And, and a big reason why we're we're trying to replace them, um, that's not necessarily the case. And if it takes us a long time to, um, you know, to detect something that's gone wrong, and then even longer to fix it, that from our perspective as technology is not good enough. So that's why we have to treat these two things differently. Good, thank you. Um... So yeah, as you're saying, the basically mean time to recovery, change failure rates, times to release are very important there, which is which is of course interesting because in the book Accelerate, those are highlighted as as key performance indicators for tech teams. So we really see the value in them and making sure we're we're keeping an eye on them. Um, from a, from a product perspective, Ronan, how did you and your team? handle a lot of uncertainty right we we had we started for example the e-cards project we started a postcards project because postcards don't need an envelope they're easier to produce right we had a lot of uncertainty where we didn't know should we build this should we build something else kind of like what are we betting on a lot of is changing how how did you make sure you adapted to all of the changes that were happening often on a daily basis um yeah, I think as as Peter said, it, it we typically have four weeks in in the year, which are or peak weeks, and uh, you know we have a lot of planning and preparation up to those weeks, and um, but the lockdown essentially has been one very long peak. So I think at the start of it, we weren't prepared for it, and it was quite challenging reacting to all the new information that was ha- going on and spinning up the right people within the right Slack channels to ensure everyone was communicating and there wasn't you know, one person doing one thing and another person doing another and there, that were in complete conflict with each other. And so the first the first few weeks were honestly pretty hard going. Um, and I think we kind of came out of came out of that knowing that we would it wasn't sustainable um, and we had to slow down and be a lot clearer in terms of who was leading certain projects, uh, understanding what you know projects were in flow and how they conflicted with each other, and um, because ultimately we we needed to come up with something that was far more sustainable over a longer period of time, and we are now at the point where I think everything is a lot more of a, a steady state, and we have done the the major, I guess. Um, changes that are required to change your capacity and change your messaging to customers. So we've got a lot more kind of um, flexibility built into the system that enables us to make changes based on you know, the lockdown compared to kind of where we were at the start of April. Um, but yeah, it was uh, you know, quite challenging to begin with. And we kind of learned a little bit to slow down in order to go faster. 
I think what you mean, Ronan, is actually you just flipped a coin to decide what we should do. <laughs> at, at times, uh, I, I would say coins were used. I have a die <laughs> by my desk that may have come in, uh, come in handy uh, at, at, on occasions as well. Do, do you think um, our, our appetite for risk has changed, though? Um, because I think historically we would have, the, you know, the load profile was a lot lower. Um, that if we if we made a change and it wasn't the right thing, you know, like an A B test or something, the impact wasn't that high. Do you think that's changed now, or do you think do you feel that we still manage manage it the same way? Uh, good question. Uh, I think certainly the appetite for risk has gone up, and in one of the the learnings from this is, um, you know, when forced to change, you you, you know you have to, you, you do change and. And maybe previously, where we would have uh, maybe thought about things a lot, a lot uh, for a lot longer, and the the urgency of the changes uh, required us to kind of move move quickly, um, and that obviously has kind of got um, has got kind of negative impacts as well. But I guess if you can, the analogy you might use is that we set up teams previously to run marathons, and. We, we were forced into kind of a, more of a sprint mode. And we certainly now have developed a muscle to maybe to sprint to sprint more. Uh, we should use that, but only only when the uh, occasion calls for it, because we clearly can't be in kind of sprint mode for a sustained period of time. Mm. Yeah, so it's, from my personal perspective, uh, uh, I was part of the team that worked on the e-cards release. And I think what what I I took out of that that was really successful was that we focused on getting the the business value out as quickly as possible in a in a, a what we call an MVP minimal viable product, and that worked really well because it was out and it was it, it fixed a problem that we might have faced, um, gave us some security in our capacity, and now we're iterating on it and making it better for our customers and making it better from a technical point of view as well. So I think for me, that was a great, great learning that came out of that project. So speaking of learnings, um, Peter, what would what would today's Peter tell beginning of lockdown, Peter, if, if you would get the chance to? What, what, what would your tip be for yourself? Well, um, I think I would have sold all my shares before lockdown kicked in. Like, <laughs> certainly that, that might have been a, a smart one. Um, I think I think from a from a work perspective, I guess. Um, Look, I think I think we've been, um, you know, we we've done all the right things as a business to make sure we look out um, for everyone. You know, we spoke about giving people uh, money to buy equipment and and all all that kind of thing. I think ultimately hindsight, you, we would have just done things quicker. I think I think that's it. Like when you when there's a lot of clarity, you can just act quicker. So if we'd have known, like probably from day one, I've been making sure everyone has exactly the right setup they need and. Um, you know everything that they need to to work effectively. So I guess you know, and hindsight is a wonderful thing, right? But um, yeah. we would have would have made sure on that. Um, if if we'd have known even earlier, then I guess a lot of um, a lot of these things that we spoke about, like doing e cards um, uh, quickly, we we probably would have done something like that beforehand, right? <laughs> if anyone could have predicted uh, <laughs> this coming, I imagine that would have uh, already been something we could switch on. So um, yeah. yeah, that that kind of thing, I guess. Right, because I guess we, we kind of slipped a bit into it. We, at first, I think the general uh, opinion was that, oh, yeah, we're going to do this for two, three, four weeks, and then maybe we're all back in the office and it's fine, right? And 
these weeks kept going and like nothing really improved in a thing. At one point there was the realization of, yeah, this is going to last for a while. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, and I think, you know, this is why we've tried to create um, clarity, like, like you've seen a, a number of um, companies doing about saying, look, you don't need to be back in the office until, you know, September, October, some, some companies are saying, you know, at the end of the year. And I think that's important, right? Because it, it just gives you, um, it gives you some clarity in terms of where you want to be, how you set yourself up. And again, if, if you know that from day one, then you probably do things, uh, you know, a bit different. As you say, I think a lot of people expected to be back in a couple of weeks, so probably didn't take their their personal belongings with them from the office, or you know, they they could have grabbed a monitor or or whatever it was, you know. So it's stuff like that where um, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Yeah, tell me about it. My my Dungeons and Dragons player handbook is still in my locker, and I I desperately need it at the moment. So I, I don't yeah. I don't know how you're coping. <laughs> That's our problems right here. It, it is it is a struggle, yeah. Um, in terms of like what I was really surprised is how much I actually enjoy working remotely. Like I always really like going into the office and I like the collaboration, but now after a few weeks, I can definitely see myself if we would ever have the freedom say like, okay, yeah, I go into the office two days a week, um, and maybe work from home the other days or something like that and be more flexible. So Ronan, for you, do you feel like change has come upon us do you feel like what do you feel like are things that are staying now that the world has seen that we can for example work remotely i think your response is very very common so i've I've asked all my team and the, the general kind of sense is that people would like to be in the office maybe two days a week and, and work remotely the other three and 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 as a company moonpig are out we're thinking ahead and trying to understand this better. And we definitely know that it's much more effective, everybody working remotely when you're in a team, because if half are in the office and half are not in the office, then it becomes challenging. So I think the, the key thing is making sure that if people are in for those two days, everybody within the team is in and it's it's time when they collaborate and they really understand and what where they're going and, and and get an agreed direction and also they kind of build kind of shared memories as well so i think there's a lot of the social side of of work that we haven't really been able to replicate remotely and so yeah we are trying quizzes and socials and but it's, it's not really the same as kind of getting people together over a, a long period of time and so i think the new you know the new normal is is most certainly going to be much more uh, a much more hybrid approach between office and and remote and um, we'll just need to you know see how that unfolds over time and, and what about um from a planning perspective as well you know will we go back to six month plans or will will we we have more shorter term focus I think that you know the reason we chose six months so we we have an an objective key result and okay our process and most companies do three months planning for that. We chose six months because the effort it takes to plan every three months is is pretty high. And so we didn't, you know, we felt we felt it was very efficient having kind of six months, sorry, having three months. So we, we chose six months. And who, I guess who knows, like, I, I, I don't see why the, the cadence for planning should change. Um, but maybe the way we plan uh, will change. Peter, from your 
perspective any predictions you want to make for the future predictions about anything in general or yeah go for it or like how we work as a tech industry yeah um so i think it's going to be really interesting right so you know we've already seen um twitter come out and say no one needs to come back right like you can work remotely as a as a workforce going forward um i i think we're going to see more of that i think we're going to see more companies um come out with statements like that i guess what's interesting for me is is that what people want or is it is it just the almost the perception of flexibility so so you know ronan spoke about um you're speaking to his team and, and people saying sort of two days, three days kind of thing. I've been doing the same uh, with the, the tech team and, and pretty much everyone says exactly that same thing, right? It's like, oh, I'd like to be in the office two days, home three days. Um, and most people say, you know, flexibility. Um, but actually, I think it's kind of the opposite of, in a sense. If you think before you choose to work from home, it doesn't matter what day it is, you go and work from home, you do it. Whereas actually, we could, we could move to a more rigid world because if, as we've all realized, you know, when everyone's remote, it works pretty effectively. When people are in the office together, it works effectively, but the hybrid doesn't necessarily work that effectively. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you could easily move to a world where it's kind of more structured. It just so happens some of those days happen to be uh, remotely. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing, both both for us, but but the industry as a whole. But yeah, I think, I think broadly, I, I think if you're, you know, if you're a company, especially in the tech space, and you're not offering that level of kind of remote working, um, I think you will get left behind. Like companies have realized this now. And I think, you know, broader than that, it's clearly going to open up questions about what is the, the future of the office space, right? Like, do we, do we need, you know, 400 person offices in the center of a city? Um, question mark. Like, I think a lot, a lot of companies will, will be asking that now. Um, especially where you could potentially have parts of the workforce in it at different times. So I think it's going to be really interesting. It's hard to predict, but but certainly an interesting one to watch. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you so much, you two. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here for this episode. Thank you so much for taking time and chatting to us. Uh, thank you so much, dear listeners out there. As always, if you want to get in touch with us about anything, feel free to email techpodcast at moonpick.com or tweet us at moonpicktech. And with that, I hope we see you very soon. And as always, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Moon.